Hey Westside family, my name is Eric Johnson and I serve on the production team. Thanks for joining us for this week's message. We hope you are blessed by what God has been speaking to us through our pastors and leaders, and we pray this leads you into an even more intimate relationship with Jesus. Love you guys and enjoy. So the kind of content that I'm going to talk about this morning is usually something that sometimes we'll, we'll do on a Wednesday night or maybe even a small group, uh, but uh, I was kind of going back and forth uh, uh, about, about uh, our, our talk today, but I just could not get it out of my spirit. I, I just felt like the Holy Spirit wanted me ta- to talk about this today, and it's called The Reality of Our Sacred Text, the Bible, and about three or four weeks ago, because we had a couple Sundays of interruption, we talked about the real. One Sunday we talked about the reality of hell, and then one Sunday we talked about the reality of heaven. We had a couple Sundays passed since then, and today we're talking about the reality of our sacred text, uh, the Bible. So this is different in, re, in in the sense that you know typically we look at a Bible story or an area of Scripture, or we might look at a subject matter. And we break it down, we get inside of it, uh, we apply it to our lives, might get a little animated, might get a little emotional. But today is really just a a, a matter-of-fact talk. And I want to just share with you uh, concerning how we can know the Bible is what we say it is. It is the Word of God, number one. It is realistic Number two, and it is applicable to us today. One of the reasons that I I, I think the Lord put this on my heart is because sometimes, specifically in a modern context, we as Bible believers can almost feel embarrassed or almost uh, become belittled because we believe in this book. And I actually believe in the opposite. Instead of feeling belittled or feeling like I'm on the bottom end of a totem pole because I believe in this ancient book, I actually feel like I have confidence and I actually feel like I'm at the top of the totem pole because I have this book. And I don't feel like I should be on the defensive like just waiting for someone to attack me in almost in a coward way because this is my approach to life. But actually, I kind of have the attitude that you're kind of stupid if you don't believe it. I know you shouldn't say that as a pastor. Lorana got on to me for last night for saying that. But I was like, you know what, that's how I feel. Like, I, I, I don't feel stupid that I believe this. I feel like you're an idiot if you don't believe it. That's my humanity coming out. As you know, I'm not a perfect guy. I'd be the first to say I'm not a perfect guy. And sometimes my attitude in my mouth gets in the way. And my attitude in my mouth can very much get in the way when it comes to defending what I call the absolute truth, which is the Bible. I will stand up and I will defend this baby. Yeah, I, I can get an attitude real quick. Because of what I consider it to be. I consider it to be the word of God that has come from come through humans for us to live by 
and there is power and there is blessing and there is might and there is healing and there is deliverance and there's these wonderful things that is associated with it. But I can preach that to you till I'm blue in the face and till you're tired of hearing it and that may or may not register with you. So I want to give you just some facts on just some practical facts the little bit of spiritual experience is thrown in so that we can really come to the conclusion that this is what we say it is now if I offended you this morning I'm really not calling you an idiot but uh if you don't believe in the bible uh you're pretty close to it but uh, maybe maybe <laughs> I love you, though. I, 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 I love you. You have to realize, if you're new this morning, I didn't come from a soft family. I came from a family that, uh, that was pretty straightforward and, uh, and would call a spade a spade in a heartbeat and, heartbeat and really didn't care how you felt about it. So uh, that comes out of me sometimes, and I have to apologize. But, but I love you. But I love you, okay? So number one, first area we're going to look at is historical. Uh. So we're going to look at historical, like uh, some historical facts. That's what I'm trying to get to uh, concerning the Bible Israel. Uh, then we're going to look at archaeology, some personal experiences, and, and, and prophecy. And prayerfully and hopefully this will kind of give you a little bit more concrete uh, evidence on the Bible is, is, is real. Uh, I, I think it's really important because this is the basis of our faith. And if, if, if you can't believe in the basis of our faith, then can we really say we have faith? I mean, this is, this is the foundation. It, it, it's the core of what we believe. It's the core of what we teach and what we preach and how we feel like we should live. And to not be able to say, I believe this wholeheartedly, honestly, causes us to have a shaky faith, a shaky foundation. Because if you don't believe one aspect of it, you really can't say you believe in the fullness or the totality of it. Because as we will learn in a moment, it correlates, it's intertwined, it's, it's a very unified book. And it's kind of like a domino set. Or that, you know, if, if, if you hit one down they all fall down but if you keep one up it all stands up so I think this is a very important topic especially in today's age and time because there is so many opposers to our faith today more than ever people oppose our experience with God people oppose uh, our belief in the Bible there is so so much opposition opposition and it's really important that we have knowledge and we have this sound, concrete knowledge in our heart and in our mind that this is what we say it is. In spite of persecution, in spite of disagreements, in spite of people telling us we're stupid and we're idiots and uh, we don't make any sense and we're dumb for believing this. You got to know that you know. Because the Bible says heaven and earth will pass away. But my word will never pass away. And you got, you got to have the reality of the sacred text as the foundation of your soul. 
You may not be able to trust humanity like you want. You might have had some bad experience, but bad experiences with people, with outcomes, with circumstances. But but beyond a shadow of a doubt, you can trust in the word of God and it will never let you down. It will never lead you astray. So let's look at it from a historical standpoint. So I have some slides up here. So there's actually thousands of manuscripts, thousands of repeated writings of the Old and the New Testament. And because of their correlation and their support of one another, we can come to the conclusion that the Bible has been transmitted accurately. In other words, it is correct to what it says uh, concerning the history of, of, of God's people. There are some minor differences uh, in some of these manuscripts, but in all reality, they're called variants, but they're also just uh, differences in stylistic writings or word usage. They're not different in the doctrines or the beliefs or the function or operation of God. Now, speaking of the Old Testament uh, specifically, uh, there are thousands of Old Testament manuscripts. Some of them fragmented, broken into pieces. Some of them whole. Uh, And there are specific ones that make up what we call the Old Testament uh, in the Bible. But in... And up to 1947, there was some uh, skepticism toward these writings. There was questions going on. How do we know that these manuscripts that has been the basis of the Bible Old Testament is true to ancient Israel, true to God's word, true to how we take it? And then in 1947 the Dead Sea Scrolls were found. It's very interesting how they were found. There was a young shepherd boy uh, that was shepherding his sheep in, in, in the desert, and there was like cliffs that had caves within the cliffs, and there was this opening, and this shepherd boy just happened to take a rock, and he threw the rock inside of one of these openings. And when the rock went inside of one of these openings, he heard the sound of a clay jar burst. It wasn't the sound of stone hitting stone. It was the sound of a jar breaking. And so he ventured over to the hole, and it was big enough for him to, you know, kind of get inside of and check it out. And what he found was clay pots filled with tons of scrolls. In fact, he found 1,000 in the area it ended up being quite a few in the area, 1,050 scrolls were discovered. Out of these scrolls, there were 300 that was basically from the Bible. Uh, And then the rest of them had direct relevance to early Judaism or emerging Christianity. And so every single book except for two, Esther... uh, and uh, blah, 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 uh, I didn't put it down. There was two books that wasn't a part, that's in the Old Testament, that wasn't a part of these Dead Sea Scrolls. But what's very interesting is they compared what was written on the Dead Sea Scrolls to 
what we have in our Bible and the manuscripts that, that, that our Bible came from. And so check this out. 95%, 95% of the content in the Dead Sea Scrolls was the exact same as the manuscripts that our Old Testament Bible comes from. 95% percent accuracy He's like so so you might be saying well how about the other five percent the other five percent that was not the same was only stylistic wording differences there was no difference in, in in belief no difference in how God worked no difference in the laws no difference in the commands no difference in the prophets no difference in the kings no difference whatsoever there was only some stylistic differences between the Dead Sea Scrolls and the earlier manuscripts that made up the Old Testament. So since 1947, that has kind of become the basis. That kind of, that kind of established a concrete foundation that the Old Testament in the Bible that we read is accurate to God's word in ancient Israel. And it is safe to say that this is an accurate portrayal of ancient Israel's history and the Bible that we read about. Now we jump to the New Testament. Now the New Testament has over 24,000 manuscripts. There's 5,800 Greek manuscripts 10,000 Latin manuscripts, 9,000 and 9,300 manuscripts in various ancient languages. Now get this. You would think that if the Bible was a hoax, like if it was a bunch of authors just writing stuff and trying to kind of pull, pull a quick one over on humanity, there, there would be all these discrepancies and all these like uh, things that conflict and oppose one another. But out of 24,000 writings that actually is spread over hundreds of years from different nations and different authors and peoples, when you combine all those together and their scholars and, and, and scribes that has done this, they are accurate 99.5% of the time. 99.5%, 24,000 manuscripts of our New Testament match each other. And that 0.5%, what is the difference? Again, it's word differences. It's style differences in verbiage used to describe. And it's only 0.5% out of 24 plus thousand. Now when you study, like, let, let, let's say, uh, when you study historic, historical books, I'm sorry, having a hard time, historical books from the ancient world, like uh, Caesar's uh, Gallic Wars, uh, Homer's uh, Odyssey, those things are considered like facts, like historical documents between the Roman Empire uh, uh, and and uh, the, the 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 barbarians of of Northern Europe. But if I'm not mistaken, there's only a couple hundred manuscripts, and the time that those manuscripts was written after the time it actually happened was a thousand plus years. 
So there was a lot of chance that there was like some variation in the reality of the story. But Our faith in the New Testament is challenged. The Bible is challenged. When we have over 24,000 manuscripts, and out of these 24,000 manuscripts, 99.5% of them correlate with one another, and the manuscripts began to be written 70 years after the story. So coming from a historical standpoint, if we are just... Uh, uh, comparing apples to apples, if we accept a secular book, historical book, as evidence because of their standards, then we definitely have to accept the New Testament and the Old Testament as, uh, uh, as accurate, uh, accurate because of the evidence that we have in them. Am I making sense this morning? I'm having a little bit of a hard time because usually how I, don't, how I usually don't teach this way. So now let's jump at archaeology, uh, archaeology. Now, there's tons of artifacts that, that we could actually talk about, but I'm just going to bring out three of them. Again, going back to the Dead Sea Scrolls. The Dead Sea Scrolls was physical findings that shared the story of ancient Israel that was accurately true. Another one is the Ebla tablets. So the excavating team discovered 15,000 ancient tablets and fragments, which when joined together accounted for 2,500 tablets. Amazingly, these tablets confirmed that personal, that the personal and location titles in the Bible patriarchal accounts are authentic. In other words, what the Bible says about the biblical patriarchs is true. And when you dive into these tablets, because there is a belief that Sodom and Gomorrah is a myth. And inside these tablets, there is also writing and mention and discovery about Sodom and Gomorrah. And these are physical uh, uh, written tablets. A third one is Hezekiah's Tunnel. So uh, under King Hezekiah, there was these tunnels that was made so that uh, water from a spring could come in and give Israel uh, water. And so they found this tunnel, but yet, you know, a tunnel is a tunnel. How did they know that this was Hezekiah's tunnel? It could have been somebody else's tunnel until they found an inscription on stone. Let me just read it. It says the tunnel has been dated using various methods. Radiocarbon dating uh, to Hezekiah's time period uh, has been used, and it confirmed the biblical verse that states that it was built in Hezekiah. And if you're interested, uh, you can go to 2 Chronicles 32 and 2 Kings chapter 20 and and read the story. Uh, But what kind of set it in stone is inside the tunnel, there was this stone. It's pretty big, big, um, you know, stone rock. And there was an engraving on, on it. There was an inscription. And the engraving and the inscription on it actually told the story of Hezekiah having the tunnels uh, dug out. So the inscription is basically what we have when we read Second Chronicles chapter 32, verses 2 through 4. And these are physical 
archaeological findings that has proven what we consider to be the Word of God is the Word of God, is the Bible. It is accurate. Now let's move on to some personal experiences. Now this one is a big one for me. I've shared with you guys in, in my past, not so much now, but in my past, I have struggled with being a skeptic. I, I can be a skeptic of everything. I, I, I am a very much so, I got to see it and I got to feel it to believe it. And so for me, these things has really helped me. I, I, you know what? I, I can't take the glory of a, of, of a, of a faith like Peter. Mm, not me. I have to kind of realize that coming up, I had the faith of Thomas. You know, Thomas was like, hey, I, I got to. I, I got to touch and feel the scars or the holes in your hand and your side when he was talking with Jesus. So for me, my personal experiences has concreted the historical findings and the archaeological findings. And I would encourage you to, to think about your personal experiences with God, or maybe if you don't have any, consider the personal experiences with God Uh, with people that you deeply trust. Outcomes of praying to the God of the Bible. What have you seen? What have you witnessed? What have you experienced? What has people that you trust, what have they seen? What have they experienced? When they prayed to the God of the Bible. Because God moves when we pray. Have you seen miracles? Have you seen signs and wonders? Have you experienced God moving? Another one is experiences from interacting with the God of the Bible. When you worship, when you obey, when you read the word, when you take a big step of faith, when something just major happens to you. What experiences have you had from interacting with the God of the Bible? The third one is miracles. What kind of miracles have you witnessed or heard of that you trust? Signs and wonders. What kind of signs and wonders have you come across? What kind of healings or supernatural experiences have you experienced in your life and in other people's lives? So this has become concrete for me because I have seen things, and I've shared a lot of these with you. I woke up in the middle of the night as a teenager, and I felt the hand of God on my hand. It was not a dream. It was not weird. I woke up, and it was as if somebody was squeezing my hand. And I felt, I felt the fingers. I felt the palm. I felt it. It was as clear as day. And then it stopped. I woke up and I had a, I've had a seven-foot angel standing over my bed looking down on me. I've casted demons out of people. I'm talking about the growling, the spitting, the kind of demons. Hey, do that and you will realize there is a good and an evil. I've seen, I, I was on the street once and, and I, I, prayed for a, I prayed for a homeless man that was also an alcoholic and in 30 minutes He not only became sober, but he became absolutely free from alcoholism. Absolutely free. 
Seen him three three days later on the street. He was headed to buy a suit. Someone gave him money for the suit. And he was getting ready to go to church the next day, which was a Sunday. My family members, I've seen miracles. I've seen healings. Like, you cannot tell me. My grandmother, she was praying at church once, and she looked up, and she saw two angels at the top corner of a church, of the church. My dad was praying, and he felt he had two demons looking at him uh, from behind a wall uh, when he was praying. He was in the midst of a revival. It wasn't his church. Like, there's time and time again, like, I know you cannot tell me that the Bible is not true, that the Bible is not the Word of God. I've experienced in my life, I've had God touch me, I've seen God, I've seen demons, I've come to experiences, my, I've seen, I witnessed my son healed, I witnessed other people experienced and touched by God. Like, my personal experiences, and, and even though I was a doubting Thomas, my personal experiences has concreted in my heart and in my faith that the Bible is real, God is real, heaven is real, hell is real, and there ain't no way you're going to change that from me. Not because I got some special ability to believe, because for me, again, I, I can't take a lot of credit of having crazy faith because I was a doubting Thomas. But because of the grace and the mercy of God, He gave me these experiences of when I've prayed, I've experienced things. When I've walked with him, I've experienced things. When I've set myself out to to, to minister to people, I've experienced things. And guess what? I'm no special person. If you're here this morning and you need concrete evidence, give God a chance to work in your life to give you concrete evidence. He will give you concrete evidence. Now, you may not like the way that he gives you concrete evidence. You don't get to choose and pick that stuff. Because God cares more about you having just a faith as opposed to having a giant mountain-moving faith. Does that make sense? Like, God just cares more about you just having a faith that says, I believe in him as opposed to to having the faith like Peter that walked on water. And God will move mountains for you so that you can have a faith in his word. The, the, the next one is prophecy. Just three. There, there's a lot of these also, but uh, 700 B.C., before Christ, the prophecy of, a virgin, of Jesus's a virgin mother. Isaiah 7.14 says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. This is what was stated about Jesus when he was born of a virgin mother. Again, in 700-ish B.C., The prophet Micah prophesied about Bethlehem being the birthplace of Israel's uh, Messiah. Micah 5.2 But you, Bethlehem, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. Who was born in Bethlehem? Jesus. Another fulfilled prophecy. The third one has to do with 
uh, the Jewish people becoming a nation again in 1948. So they had been dispersed all throughout the world. They really did not have, they were not a nation per se. But in 1948, they became a nation again. And when you study the prophecies, especially in Ezekiel and Zechariah, you will see that those two prophets prophesied the scattering of God's people, but they also prophesied the coming together and the reuniting of God's people once again as a nation. And that happened in 1948. It was 1,900 years after those prophecies. There's so many things that we can talk about. So many examples we can dive into to prove the word of God is what we say it is. That it's not the pigment of someone's imagination. It's not a great scheme to write a book that will cause people to believe a certain way. But it's a realistic, reality-based book of a God who chose a people to be his light and to be his witness for all of humanity to be saved. Let me leave you with this. I'm going to read this. Is, I'm going to read a couple paragraphs to you. It's called Bible Unity. And it has to do with the Bible supporting itself. And I'm going to close with this. Worship team, you guys can go ahead and come up. Although this book was composed by men, its unity reveals the hand of the Almighty. The Bible was written over a period of about 1,500 years by more than 40 different human authors. These authors came from a variety of backgrounds, including Joshua, a military general, Daniel, a prime minister, Peter, a fisherman, Nehemiah, a cupbearer. The authors of the various books wrote in different places, such as the wilderness, Moses, prison, Paul, exile on the Isle of Patmos, that's John, The biblical writings were composed on three different continents, Africa, Asia, Europe, and three different languages, Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek. The contents of the Bible deal with many controversial subjects, yet the Bible is a unit. It is unified. It supports itself. From beginning to end, there's one unfolding story of God's plan of salvation for mankind. Find 10 people from your local area having similar backgrounds who speak the same language and all are from basically the same culture. Then separate them and ask them to write their opinion on only one controversial subject, such as the meaning of life. When they have finished, compare the conclusions of these 10 writers. Do or would they agree with each other? course not but the Bible did not consist of merely 10 authors it consisted of 40 authors it was not written in one generation but over a period of 1500 years not by authors with the same education 
culture or language, but with vastly different educations, many different cultures, from three continents, three different languages, and finally, not just one subject of controversy, but hundreds. And yet the Bible is a unit. It's unified. It supports itself. It doesn't contradict itself. There is complete harmony, which cannot be explained by coincidence or conclusion. The unity of the Bible is a strong argument in favor of its divine inspiration. I present to you today that the Bible is the Word of God. From the standpoint of historical documents, the thousands of manuscripts that support itself, from a religion, Judaism, that dates back thousands of years, from the 24,000 manuscripts of the New Testament that 99.5% support themselves with each other. So I present to you today, historically, the Bible is accurate. I present to you today that the Bible is what it says it is based off of archaeology. You can't argue a stone that was pulled from a tunnel and on that stone was written the same things that we find in Scripture. I'll present to you the reality of the Bible based off prophecies that was spoken close to 2,000 years ago or before the outcome. The prophecy of a virgin mother. The prophecy of a Messiah being born in Bethlehem. A prophecy of Israel becoming a nation again after they've been scattered abroad. I present to you the reality of the Bible based off of you or someone you know's personal experience. God moving in their life, God revealing himself in their life. I present to you the reality of the sacred text based off the miracle of it being what it is. A book of 40 authors written on three continents in three languages, spread across 1,500 years. But they all come to the same climax. God created man, man failed. And ever since that failure, God has been trying to make a way for humanity and God to be restored back to one another. God rearranges this world and makes a new one 
for his children to live in again. As was started. Thanks so much for joining us. We hope God spoke to you personally through this message and continues to encourage you throughout the coming weeks.